my name is Leon and I'm one of the pastors here at HDBB. Today, we're concluding part one of our sermon series looking at Mark's gospel. Let's rewind a little bit. So in week one, Jacintha talked about how we can find the way in the wilderness through Jesus. In week two, that's last week, Miles talked about how we can not only receive healing, but also to heal those around us in the power of Jesus. And today, we're going to look at offensive actions. But we're not just going to talk about how we can make a mess uh, in life, but what we're going to really look at is how we can see life through the lens of faith instead of offense. Looking at Mark 2, uh, at the story of where Jesus heals um, a paralyzed man. Now, there's a bunch of sort of offensive actions here that we're going to unpack later. Uh, but first, let's just talk a little bit about this topic of offense. It's never been easier to express ourselves. You know, it's why one in three Gen Zs want to pursue careers as YouTubers, listing self-expression as one of the top factors ahead of money. But the increasing ease of expressing oneself and building influence as a result has led to another recent phenomenon, cancel culture. I bet you've heard that flying around a fair bit. We've seen many an influencer, celebrity, and even musician being cancelled in recent years, either by expressing um, radical views or maybe by demonstrating um, perhaps unsavory actions. Now, so far in Mark, you know, over the last few weeks, we've seen Jesus do a bunch of big things, from healing people to driving out demons. And by this time, Jesus' influence has grown so much that in Mark 1 verse 43, we see that he could no longer enter a town openly, and yet the people still came to him from everywhere. But to quote the great Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, and perhaps he should have added a greater horde of haters. This sets the scene for our passage for today where we see a series of, uh, shall we say, offensive actions leading up to Jesus healing this paralyzed man in front of a large crowd, after which he then has to deal with the triggered or the offended. In other words, the religious teachers who maybe weren't too happy about some of the things that Jesus was doing. Let's read together from Mark 2, verse 3 to 12. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins? but God alone. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. 
This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. What we're going to look at today is how we can use this passage as a useful lens to choose the path of faith instead of offense in our lives. But before that, let's talk a bit about what we mean by faith. You know, throughout the New Testament, we see that faith is not merely knowledge that Jesus is Lord, but an active allegiance to Jesus. Jesus himself models this by being baptized in the previous chapter uh, as a public declaration of being on the side of heaven. To use a football analogy, you can know all about another team, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you want Manchester City to win the Premier League. But when you've tied your allegiance to your team of choice, come on Chelsea, that comes with access to the community. But not only that, but also special privileges perhaps. Think seasons passes. The great news is that when we're on the side of Jesus, we don't just get season tickets we get an all-access pass to his love and to his power. And it's through this very lens of faith as allegiance to, to Team Jesus that we'll take a closer look at some of these offensive actions in Mark 2. So the first thing that we see here is that offense sees brokenness while faith sees breakthrough. The first offensive action that we see in this story actually begins at the very start, where we see the four friends uh, helping the paralyzed man get to Jesus. Verse 4 says, Since they could not get to him because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, this is worth noting because the Greek word used here for dig is exorizantes, which also means to break up. These men had to go through a great deal to get to Jesus. Breaking through a crowd, breaking through a roof, and then making sure that they didn't have to, you know, they didn't drop their friend in the process, breaking him even more. One of my pet peeves is jumping a queue. And over here, it just seems like it's the normal thing to do. But I think what's also worth noting is not only did they jump the queue, they broke somebody else's property. So I don't know about you, but I would be pretty triggered by that myself. But here's the thing. There is no breakthrough without some breaking. The sweetest victories are often preceded by periods of challenging and sometimes even breaking. During the lockdowns uh, in early 2021, I decided to pick up running, uh, mainly as an excuse to get out of the house. And I, that led to me uh, running my first marathon just a couple of months ago. And perhaps in hindsight, some might say that that was maybe a little re reckless, perhaps, considering I had only just started running um, eight months prior. But you see, I had all of this data available to me through things like Strava. And on that, you know, it, it was really encouraging because I was able to see, oh, wait, based on the consistency of my training, um, you know, I would be able to complete uh, a marathon at a given time. And so what I naively thought would be a, let's say, a relatively tough effort turned out to be one of the most torturous experiences of my life. Now, 
a marathon is uh, 42.2 kilometers long. Uh, and you know, my first 20K, that was easy. It was a piece of cake. In fact, here is a screenshot of me and my cousin who ran with me passing the 20 kilometer checkpoint, looking fresh as day, you know, smiling, waving to our friends at the checkpoint. Never has naivety been captured more perfectly. Because once we passed 34 kilometers, I looked like this. My body was in uncharted waters. You know, things that you never knew could hurt started to hurt. And I may have even cried a little bit at one point. But you see, I read an article that said that the marathon is basically the entire human aging process compressed into a few hours. And you know what? Having done one myself, I believe that there is some truth to that. But you know, all of that, that's kind of what makes the marathon that much more fulfilling. According to Strava, five and a half hours was the time to aim for. And thank God, I am so glad to say that I finished in, well, let's just say the important thing is that I finished. It's in the depth of the struggle that we really hone in on our hope for the outcome. And in Jesus, we can know that that outcome always leads to life. Jesus's own body was broken through death on the cross. And in a moment today, we're gonna, we're gonna take communion together to remember this. But you see, he, he endured it because he had already written the outcome for all mankind. At his death, we read in Mark 15, verse 38, that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. In the same way that the four friends broke the barrier at the top of the home to help their friend get to the bottom, um, of, to the bottom floor where Jesus was, this tearing of the veil from top to bottom symbolizes the total removal of that barrier between us and with God so that we can know and have a direct relationship with Him. You can enjoy direct access to God today without cutting cues, without certainly damaging somebody else's home. All you need to do is go to Him either in prayer or by letting him speak to you through reading the Bible. But what's also interesting to note, and I love this, is really the dedication of the paralytic's friends who helped him. You know, we don't know very much, to be honest, about the level or perhaps the quality of faith of this paralytic. But we certainly know about the faith of his friends. Where there wasn't a way, they made they created a way for him so that he could have his own breakthrough directly with Jesus. You may already have a close relationship with God, but I wonder, is there a friend that you can encourage to experience the love and power of Jesus today? Faith is the opposite of offense, and we can choose faith by fixing our eyes on Jesus. The next thing that we learn from this passage is that offense focuses on the weight where faith sees the way. The next potentially offensive action is performed 
surprise, surprise, by Jesus himself. We see in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, the reason why we say this is perhaps offensive is, I don't know, but this was probably not the reaction that he nor his friends uh, were expecting. Advertising and marketing is riddled with messaging that plays on instant gratification. And that's because it works. You know, not too long ago, somebody created a list of what they call brutally honest uh, brand slogans. This was basically where they took some of the most iconic brands that we know and love and replaced some of their messaging uh, to be, let's say, more akin maybe or, or a bit more reflective of how we might actually interact or engage with the brand. Let's take Netflix, for example, synonymous with giving you the most binge-worthy shows on demand. But this was their take on it. With Jesus, we see that rather than getting straight to healing this man's physical ailment, he takes a step back and deals first with his inner life. I always wonder whether the paralyzed man, maybe in that brief moment, felt a little bit shortchanged. Why forgiveness first, healing later? The barrier between us and having a relationship with God may have been removed at the cross, but this doesn't mean that we're necessarily always going to be operating as effectively in His power all the time. When we mess up, which I definitely do all the time, it doesn't nullify our relationship with God, but it does hamper our own ability to be aware of His presence. And as a result, our ability to then operate as effectively within that power that He freely gives to us all the time. By forgiving the paralyzed man, Jesus healed his inner paralysis in order to catalyze the healing of his physical paralysis. I wonder if you're watching today and maybe you feel a little paralyzed internally. Maybe you're stuck in a tricky situation at school. Maybe you're pressured to do something that your friends are doing which you know isn't helpful, but maybe, maybe you just don't know how to say no. Or maybe it's, uh, you're battling with an ethical situation, an ethical quandary with a project at work. Go to Jesus first. You can be honest with Him and tell Him exactly what it is you're facing, where you're struggling. And He is waiting to not only forgive you if any wrong has already been committed, but also to release you from that inner paralysis so that you can think and act clearly in line with the promises that He has for you. Faith is the opposite of offense. And we can choose faith by first looking at ourselves through Jesus' eyes. We've talked a bit about the offensive actions. Now let's take a look at the offended, or shall we say the religious teachers. The third thing that we learn is that offense only looks at the what, but faith sees the why. Jesus forgiving the man got the teachers of the law very, very triggered. And, you know, and we see them saying in verse 7, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Why were they so triggered by this? 
Well, if you think about it, they weren't entirely wrong because indeed, as they're saying, only God can forgive sin. But here's where they got it wrong. By being so focused on being triggered on the action and the technicality of it, they failed to see the person, the person performing the action, Jesus, God himself, right in front of them. Instead of being triggered to faith, they were triggered to offense because they chose to look at the what, completely forgetting the why and the who. They had the privilege of that close proximity with God himself embodied in Jesus, but instead they chose the path of offense. Well, the good news is that because of Jesus' death, we can enjoy the closest proximity with him because Jesus is alive, not only with us, but in us by his Holy Spirit. And, you know, maybe you're watching this and, you know, maybe you want that closeness with God today, but you're wondering, how do I even do that? Why would God even want to be close to someone like me? Well, because the barrier between us and God has already been broken down on the cross, all we need to do is to turn to Jesus and allow Him to open the doors into our hearts. Here's an amazing painting by a British painter, William Holman Hunt. It's called The Light of the World. What we see here is Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts. It's a beautiful, expertly executed masterpiece. But a critic in his day quipped about one seemingly fatal error. Because look a little closer, and you may realize that he may have seemed to miss out um, on a certain detail. Look a bit closer, and you see that he seems to have forgotten about the doorknob on the door. But in response, Hunt replies, I haven't forgotten. It's there. You just can't see it because it's on the inside. Jesus loves you so much and is constantly waiting at the door of your heart. But he's also not a forceful God. The doorknob is on the inside because it's up to you whether or not to let him in. It's up to you to allow Jesus access into your heart to correct the wrong, to set you free, and to activate his power in your life. We don't need to earn his love. Jesus has already paid that debt on the cross. All we need to do is open the door and let him in. Faith is the opposite of offense, and we can choose faith by allowing Jesus to enter and to heal your heart. The fourth and final thing that we learn is that offense is passive while faith takes charge. You can claim your breakthrough today. And what's really interesting here is the way that Jesus rebuts uh, the religious teachers. You know, all throughout Mark so far, we've seen that Jesus is generally quite low-key in his ministry. You know, last week, Miles was talking about how he healed um, the man with leprosy and how after that, uh, he says this. He says, see that you don't tell this to anyone. And that's Mark 1 verse 44. 
But here, quite differently, in Mark 2 verse 10, he says, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Here we see that he is rather rather unapologetic about this, explicitly referring to himself as the Son of Man. Now, this has a double meaning because on the one hand, it's showing that he is fully human, which would have actually probably triggered the teachers even more, but at the same time, also fully God. The Greek word for authority here uh, in this instance is exousian. This alludes to an authority not merely of uh, a right, of, of you know, having a right to action, but specifically to a physical or mental power or ability in which to do so. This is a different kind of authority at play. It's an authority that allows Jesus to simply say in verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And best of all, you can not only receive healing and restoration today because of this authority that Jesus has, but because he lives in you by his Holy Spirit, you can exercise that authority too, right now, today. Not just over yourself, but for those around you too. Jesus' ministry was not only full of miracles, but also actively spending time with people, teaching and even eating with them. God is a God of action. Today, I'd like to invite you to take a step in inviting God into your life, to let him break through any walls that may have been created by past traumas or even mistakes, to reveal areas for realignment and to receive forgiveness so that you can be set free from the, the, the inner paralysis of those things. And so that out of that freedom to tie your allegiance to Jesus, to enjoy his access and his authority, so that your every word, your every action will be so pointed clearly to Jesus that much like those people witnessing the paralyzed man walk again, those around you, whether it's your family, whether it's your colleagues, that they too will say, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God. And we thank you uh, for your death on the cross, for allowing us that all access pass to your power. We thank you that because we are forgiven, we can operate in your power, Lord. We can operate in your authority. And right now, Lord, I just want to commit everyone viewing right now. If there's anyone who needs to receive that forgiveness today, Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts, Lord, that they would, that you would stir something in their hearts, Lord, to open uh, the door from the inside, Lord, to let you in. Come, Holy Spirit. If there's anyone watching today, and perhaps you feel um, paralyzed internally, and maybe that has manifested in somewhat of a physical paralysis where you just don't know what to do, you don't know what's the next step to take. I pray that you would claim that today, that you would take hold 
um, of the freedom that comes from Jesus. Turn to Jesus and I pray that you would experience freedom, freedom right now. And if anyone is feeling perhaps distant from God, know that you can just simply say to him, come Holy Spirit, come and fill my heart today. And maybe some of you, like the paralyzed man, maybe it's physical healing um, that you're looking for. Know that you can receive that healing today. We pray, come Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.